Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you on the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Abby Duty and Curtis Wister, the Stephen King and Charlotte Brown to my William Cohen. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> good, Good. Ben. How are you, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. We are, uh, we're talking about uh, lots of things on the show. And one of the things we wanted to dig into was we've talked about why, we've talked about how, things to do. We've not really talked about where in retirement, right? It's, it's kind of been the thing we've just not done. And we just started thinking about, hey, one, one thing that we want, want to talk about is, hey, people retiring, it's really a good jumping off point to, hey, if I'm going to be in the state of Maine, mm-hmm. maybe in Sangerville or Callis or Presque Isle or Portland or wherever, and I can reconsider things, maybe I reconsider other parts of the state. Yeah. So that that mm-hmm. was a lot of the things we wanted to bring up, and we thought we would start with Bangor. It was was one we wanted to start with. Uh, I know Curtis and I are in the Bangor area, yep. and of course that's close to home with us. Uh, Abby is a Portland uh, native, of course, here, but mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about that. Is kind of attacking that as an angle. And we want to look for somebody that had maybe unique expertise around Bangor, right? That really knew the infrastructure here. They really had just kind of a flavor of even just being here, but also like, why do people come here? What draws them here? What structures are in place to help? All of that. So we uh, we are uh, really excited to have today this person that is a multi-term city councilor. He's a former mayor of Bangor. He does a lot of advocacy work in the in the area, and he's a business owner of the, of a Southern Weston, which is a marketing uh, a PR firm in the in Bangor as well. So we wanted to uh, have Carrie Weston on. So we reached out. Carrie uh, was really gracious to come on. So, Kerry, thanks for coming on Retirement Success and Main Podcast. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. Hey, Curtis, Abby. Hello. Good to be here. Hi. Yeah. I was just uh, I was just thinking about your literary author references coming in. <laughs> I'm trying to think who I would fit in with. And I think I'm going to go with Dave Barry. I don't take myself too oh, okay. seriously. Oh, right. nice. <laughs> That's a good one. My family is a big Dave Barry uh, readers uh, over the years. That's a really mm-hmm. good one. It, and it's tough because I was trying to find the the famous uh, woman in the Bangor area too, and there's some good ones. So I, 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 Charlotte Brown is an oldie, but uh, for those that don't know, good Google search there. It might uh, might be worth a five minute version. <laughs> so so Carrie, um, want to always start with our guest, right? Is we're talking about again uh, why you should consider ri- retiring to Bangor, Maine. And but it's also important for them to get to know you, your unique perspective, your expertise here. So I'd love to hear about you and your upbringing and where you grew up. Let's start there. Yeah, so I, I haven't traveled far. I've done a full circle. Um, <laughs> I was born here in, in Bangor. Uh, I'm 47, just for uh, context of uh, of what's going on. And I, uh, I was going to say, I, went, I graduated from Bangor High in 1990, so I'm trying to trying to find my roots here. So, uh, and then went to the University of Maine. And then, like you do, you get out of town, right? You try <laughs> to get away do. from the homeland. So I went uh, I went to the deep south. I actually lived in Portland uh, for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> the other Maine. Uh, the other Maine. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I ended up working for a company that had me travel a little bit. So I spent some time in Lewiston and Portland and Wyndham and, and Farmington uh, before coming home and 
you know, always come home for a girl. So uh, I ended up coming back. I've been here uh, back in Bangor. Uh, I was gone for about 10 years, eight to 10 years, and then back in Bangor for the last, whatever the math is there. It's too uh, too late in the day for me for math. But, um, uh, so I have, uh, I'm here in Bangor. I, I uh, three kiddos. I've got a, a 16-year-old. I've got an 11-year-old and a nine-year-old. And we've got, my wife has a, she's a business owner. She's a house call veterinarian. Uh, and as you mentioned beforehand, uh, certainly been active in the community, but uh, Bangor is where I was born and Bangor I'm at at the moment. And uh, I don't see anything changing in the near future. To carry uh, I know, and this has kind of been the, a lot of the main guests that we've had on, there's usually a gravity, as you said, about the deep South, right? There's a gravity to pull you out, right? Is in Bangor and you're a younger kid and you're, you're thinking about all the possibilities outside of this area and, and you kind of get this gravity to go somewhere else. But then yeah. you came back. Can you talk about the re- like why Maine? What what kind of not just Bangor, but obviously just why have you kind of stayed here? Well, if I'm being honest, the word is humidity. Uh, I can't stand humidity, <laughs> so I've, I've stayed here. But uh, it's who I am, right? Um, um, you don't understand the value of what's around you when you're young because your perspective is different and your context is different, mm-hmm. and and you certainly want to be anywhere but where you're at, and everything's better and different on the other side of the fence, though. Mm-hmm. But over the last 10 years specifically, I will tell you that uh, with business opportunities and whatnot, I've certainly seen more of the country than I've ever seen before. And it's not true that uh, things are better the further away you get from home. And so I end up seeing the advantages through different eyes. And it's not just the weather. It's not just the humidity. I mean, there's there's neighborhood feels. There's comfortableness. There's the ability to be. And we, I mean, we could spend an hour just on this answer, right? But sure. the ability to um, find yourself in whatever mood you're in, being able to access something that keeps you busy and satisfied, I think is probably the best reason I'm here. But most importantly, my family's here, my roots are here. And I've been, I have a perspective that I've been involved long enough that I've been able to see things from many different perspectives. So that's why I stay because I think I'm committed to where we're at. Now we may move later and who knows, but mm-hmm. your reason for uh, your, your question was, why do I stay? Why have I been here? I really enjoy it. I really like it. Uh, my kids have great things to do. The community's treated me very well. I feel welcome in here. And I feel anyone that has a mission to either be involved, however you define the word involved, can do so whatever capacity they choose to do. And I think that camaraderie and the ability to make a difference in the region is something special. And that's what I think it's what keeps me. Nice. Uh, can you maybe just shift to the professional end of your life a little bit here? Sure. Can you talk a little bit about that path towards obviously owning an advertising marketing PR firm in Bangor, right? And kind of what... Obviously, we could go lots of different ways here, and but then you become yeah. an entrepreneur and build a really successful agency. So, you can you talk about that a little bit? I can. It happened uh, almost by accident. Um, <laughs> I actually have an accounting degree, and I have an accounting degree uh, because my dad is an accountant, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, my dad, my dad suggested that I should be one too. Um, <laughs> and since it was his check going to the university, I decided to follow that path. So, I, I graduated with an accounting degree. They didn't have minors in marketing back then. I took some classes while I was there. And the good thing about, um, this is some of the advice I give to employees now, the good thing about doing certain things and having certain experiences is sometimes you see exactly what you want, but sometimes you see exactly what you don't want. And and sometimes learning what you're not and what you don't want to do is almost more valuable than finding out the other answers. And so I realized that I just wasn't able enough to be an accountant. That was my my true (laughs) answer. Uh, I just couldn't stare at a spreadsheet all day and get really excited about it. 
I gave it a shot for about three months. <laughs> that just wasn't all of the uh, all of the folks that I was graduating with from university went on into CPA exams and whatnot, and spent you know two or three years in conference rooms with boxes of receipts and buying bagels, and that just didn't seem like the future I wanted to jump into. So um, I actually went a different path, and I my first job. Um, you want to talk about professional start? Completely different than what you went to school for. My first job outside of gas stations and sandwich shops was working uh, PR for a semi-professional basketball team uh, that was coming to uh, coming to Portland at the time. And it eventually, you know, many generations later, um, the Red Claws are here, but it certainly wasn't mm-hmm. anywhere near that particular organization at any level. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> bootstrapped and uh, bootstraps and bands back then. And but the the path that I took was varied and wide. It was not straight and narrow at all from a logical um, and, you know, focused point of view. So through the years, I, I worked in retail, I've worked in rental car agencies, I've certainly worked in sports and did some PR. And my dad was, uh, is a, a um, his own business owner, he's a public accountant. It, it, and I'm going to reminisce here for a minute, but it's, it's interesting when you are looking at things as a, you know, a 22 year old, or even an, you know, an 18, 19 year old, the things that you put on your checklist of your dream job completely change as you go through the years. But back then, it was a leather chair and a business card, right? Those are the two things that really, I wanted my own business card and I wanted a leather chair that I could call my own. And so I had a goal to start my own business before I was 30. And that was the definition. I didn't have any other context on that particular goal. I just wanted to start my own business before I was 30. And so one day I decided I really enjoyed uh, working problem solving. I, I enjoyed looking at strategy and, and development from that point of view. I enjoyed marketing and creativity. And so it made sense for me to explore this particular this particular avenue. I went to work for an ad agency. Um, I walked in, they weren't hiring, and I just kind of sold myself on getting a chance. And the reason I did that was I knew I wanted to do something like this, but I had no pedigree. I had no idea how you do it. I had no idea how they do it. And I wanted to see what they knew that I didn't. And, you know, I found out that a lot of people are just making up as they go as well. And so (laughs) it gave me confidence, (laughs) gave me confidence. And so one day, and and this is very pertinent to retirement, but the other side of the spectrum, I woke up one day and decided that I was going to be self-employed. So I made that decision on a Friday. I said, I'm going to do this. I had a small, small client on the side. It wasn't, it was maybe grocery money at the time. And that Monday morning, I remember waking up with the independence of an entrepreneur and knowing that I was self-employed, right? Mm. And that lasted about six minutes. And then I realized that minute seven that I was also unemployed. uh, (laughs) That scares the heck out of you, right? There's nothing, nothing motivates you more than not knowing where your next checks. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily I haven't, I haven't looked back. There's certainly been milestones and, and uncomfortableness and stretching of comfort zones and learning curves and all the wonderful things that comes with being a business owner and trying to feel your way through it. But uh, it's been a good path so far. It's treated. Nice. And I I just know from a, you guys have just done really great work, even things that people don't know or don't see, but also things that people do see. And I know you guys had a really great um, couple ads I want to throw out is if, if you've not seen it, uh, check out the, the dice arts ad there. So with the couple that, uh, they're trying to nail their lines, right? The buttery, flaky crust. <laughs> yep. and, and then the the second one, uh, which I, I just just love is, and I know we're covering why retired to Bangor is um, is 
obviously people that are not from Bangor, especially from the state of Maine, they just never pronounce it correctly, right? They all say Bangor. Yeah. So you guys did a really great musical uh, on Bangor, right? It was uh, how to pronounce Bangor. So that was a really how to good... pronounce it. Yep. So check <laughs> yeah. it out if you, if it. I'll, we'll give the links on the show notes here on YouTube for people to check it out. But it's... well, if, if you've got uh, if you've got thirty seconds for a side story, yeah. or maybe do it. Maybe yeah. Longer than that, yeah. but no. Uh, the uh, the buttery flaky crust thing never was never supposed to happen. That that has gone on to have millions and millions and millions of views. In fact, that was 2007. So that was what 13 years ago. And just today, just today, I, literally at 12:30 today, I got an email from the UK and they found our video, right? And they love it and they want to know if they can put it in the television show. We we probably get that once a week hmm. where people across the wow. world are, are looking for content. And that was basically those are those were sincere outtakes. And it was uh, late December when that happened. It was pre Christmas, but late. December. And we decided, we thought it was funny. So we put a clip together and sent it over to the Dysart family uh, because they had a Christmas party uh, mm-hmm. coming up that week. And, and the couple in the video um, are lifelong Dysart. In fact, they eat there twice a day still. Uh, they've been married 60 years, 60 plus, because it was 55 years at the time we did the video. So you can do the math. <laughs> so we just sent that over. We sent that over so they could play it at the company Christmas party. And so we put it on YouTube because that's what you do when you share videos. And what we forgot was you know, we have eight, 900 subscribers to, to our YouTube channel. And mm. we didn't think anything of it. We were just sharing a, a blooper video. Well, our contact, Mary Hart at, at Dice Arts was out of town. She was actually in North Carolina. And by the time she actually got around to looking at the email I sent, it had already been picked up by the BDN. It but circulated across a couple of media channels. And I remember celebrating when we got to 25,000 views. That was a monster for us. That was That's huge. Yeah. That was yes. I think it was at 8 million or so this morning, but um, <laughs> it's been, it's been interesting. And then to see, to see Will Ferrell and Saturday Night Live spoofed it mm. um, not too long ago. Right. But I will tell the story I wanted to tell. That was, <laughs> that was the background. I travel across the country and when I meet people, they ask me, what do you do? And, you know, and then they always ask, you know, when you say you're in advertising, they always ask, Oh, what ads have you done? What, you know, what have you done that I know? And it, most of our stuff is regional, just like mm-hmm. Ben, just like your clients, you know, it's mm-hmm. regional. You're there. If you're in Poughkeepsie, you're not going to know that we do work for, you know, XYZ in Bangor, Maine. Sure. But it, it doesn't matter where I am. It really doesn't matter where I am. If I say buttery flaky crust, I can be in Texas, Portland, Oregon, Florida. It does not matter. They That's know, great. And they, it's, it's a riot. Second side story, the, the video to Bangor, we contribute to the, our regional, our Bangor region chamber award dinner every year. And we try to put a video together to open that has some character and some comedy to it. And that was that was the year of creating an anthem for the city because... For years, people said, you know, we, we blame Roger Miller and his uh, King, King of the Road, of the Road. song for yeah. that, right? <laughs> because uh, that's where the pronunciation uh, most famously goes wrong. But I have been in airplanes where people do not know who I am, and no, nor should they. Uh, and the pilot will come on and say, banger. And somebody, every single flight, somebody said, Show them the video. That's It's kind of cool to see your work travel with you. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. We just want to make sure that we highlighted that because it just, I, I think that just even uh, augments and, and really just reinforces the whole, like, why, why do we want to bring you on, Carrie? Because I, I think that just kind of, you just really get the flavor of Bangor, right? Is I think you, you just, you, you kind of represent it, but also celebrate it. And that, I think that's, we got to be able to have fun uh, with this. And I think your uh, firm does a lot of that too. So I, well, did you always... mention, did you call Curtis Stephen King? Was he your Stephen King? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did. Opened, yes. Right? yes. So, um, so Stephen, Stephen King story, I grew up with Stephen's son. So we spent some time at his house, but I worked at a deli here in Bangor and this just tells you that. So you asked why, right? At the beginning, mm. 
worked at a place called Fairmont Market for four years in college, pizza and sandwiches and, you know, your classic around the corner sub shop. And it's, you know, it's a few blocks from Steven's house. And uh, he got an accident, you know, a decade or so ago, which kind of changed his his livelihood. And he's certainly well and, and able, but he's he doesn't spend as much time on the streets of, of public as he used to. But he used to be a very visible component in our city, walking mm. around. Be nothing to see him in his son Owen's letter jacket, Bangor High School letter jacket, walking in Canvas All Stars jeans and reading a book down the sidewalk. And he'd come in and and shoot the breeze with us at Fairmont Market. And one night he came in, and Tabby, his wife Tabitha, was out of town, so he'd lean over and just start shooting the breeze with us. And he didn't know what he wanted for dinner. And uh, a couple of minutes later, he comes back and asks for a pound of hamburg because um, he found a can of manwich on the shelf, and he hasn't had a manwich in a while. So <laughs> Stephen was all excited. He's gonna go make a make a make a manwich for dinner, and. Uh, so we went up to the front and Megabucks is our local lottery up here in Bangor or the tri-state area. A few minutes later, he's hooting and hollering from the front. He's, you know, he's really excited. And we're like, Steven, what is going on? What is going on? <laughs> and he's holding up his Megabucks ticket, right? And I thought, oh my God, you know, Stephen King wins the lottery. That's fantastic. <laughs> so what, what's, what's going on, Stephen? And honest to goodness, he looked at us and he goes, guys, he just got three numbers right. That's a free ticket. He got so excited. So Stephen King left him and left market with a can of manwich, a pound of hamburg, and a free mega bucks ticket. Any happier? That's awesome, right? And, and which is, I, I think, and you hear that, uh, you know, when Stephen King talks about why Bangor is, you know, he goes to the local movie theater and he doesn't get swarmed. It's it's just, hey, right. people see him, they know it's him, and yep. there might be a hi, Stephen. There, how you doing? And it's leave him alone, right? It is yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly he right. can just kind of fit in. And I think that's what's really great is it's very tight knit here, and it's it's been really great. So, I wanna I wanna ask really two more questions about you, uh, Carrie. One is. Why has it been important for you to engage in public service here, such as city council yeah. and nonprofit boards? Um, so I want to start with that one. So I'm going to sound like an old curmudgeon when I do this, but I was taught that's what you're supposed to do. My grandfather told me that you leave the community better than you than you found it. Hmm. And if you're going to be a part of it, if you're going to ask for the community to support you in however way you define that, it's up to you to give back more so than you get. Than you get. And so that's the God's honest truth is I, I believe that's inherent among all of us to be a part of the community and do what we can to whatever talents, expertise, talents we might have, even if it's just time to make the community around you better than when you left it. And that's, that's the answer. Gotcha. So what's a little known fact about you that people would be surprised about? Um, I can juggle, say the alphabet backwards. And I once took home a trophy in a stand-up comedy contest. Wow. Okay. All right. Wow. I like it. You gave me three. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to really now start digging into the topic, which we're kind of gathered on today is really the idea about, again, if, if I'm going to retire or I'm pre-retirement right now, or maybe, and we just had uh, Dr. Sarah Geber, who's really an expert in solo aging on a, a, an episode ago. And that one of the things that we talked about was really there's three stages of retirement, right? That early retirement, like middle, then end of life stage. And they're all very different. But one thing that we can kind of consider is maybe where we are aging in place might not be the best place to be, right? Is that we need to start thinking about and being open to other possibilities. And mm -hmm. that's why, why retire to Bangor, Maine or other areas? Let's, let's have that conversation and start thinking about it. And we have clients all over New England, right? And a lot beyond, but many of them really are considering that as, well, where should I move? Where, where's my best fit? Mm -hmm. And that's really what I get into the show here today is, is kind of like, where's this fit? And, and I, I want to just kick off the conversation with something about fun, uh, like what's fun and quality of living. So can you talk about some of the fun things to do if you're residing in the Bangor area? 
Wow. Um, I can go forever. (laughs) Well, I pause because uh, that's a very subjective term, right? Uh, There's a lot of folks that believe that bird watching and just sitting in a field and meditating is fun, right? And and, uh, I I don't have that patience, so I cannot do that. But I think I'll give you the answer that, and and I'm just not speaking for the city, I'll I'll speak for the region because that's really what it feels like, right? Um, But really, if I give you any, any level of interest outside of professional sports, right, in an hour, Mm. Um, you can do whatever you need. You can do whatever you need, you know, from outside or inside, from doing it solo with finding groups to do it with for whether it's quiet or whether it's loud and noisy. Um, you know, we've got first rate live nation, international music tours that come through in the summer. There's 17,000 people on the waterfront for a Dave Matthews concert or Kenny Chesney concert or fish or, you know, Godsmack for that matter. Um, you've got the oldest, continuously running professional um, symphony orchestra um, in the Bangor Symphony Orchestra. You've got museums, you've got theater, but you've got the uh, rivers and, and ocean and fields and uh, bike trails. And you know, I'm a little too busy, I think, sometimes um, in all of the things because I have three kids. And so I, I my, my main job at the moment is just making sure they get from point A to point B mm-hmm. um, at any given time. But you see whether it's gymnastics or football or soccer or basketball or Girl Scouts or, you know, I mean, there's not only do the kids participate, but this is the type of community that really relies on um, and doesn't have to search hard for people participating and giving in those particular activities as well. So really, I think fun is a subjective term, but outside of, you know, trying to find a Boston Celtics or, or professional team of some level, Anything you can think of is probably within an hour's distance of, of living. And you've made the point too, Carrie, right? Is, you know, in other conversations when I've heard you before is, hey, I can be in the in the proper city of Bangor or Brewer or wherever else, Hamden, and and I could be at a lake in five minutes, right? Is because yep. I can kind yep. of access the kind of the again, we're we're a small city here, but you can access the in the outdoors and feel like you're hundreds of miles away really quickly, which has mm-hmm. been pretty nice. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I have deer. I'm in Bangor proper, and I have, I have animals in my backyard on a regular basis, and not, that's not counting the kids. I mean, we're <laughs> actual actual animals. Um. So we talked about how easy it is to access things in Bangor. How yeah. easy is it to access fun things not in Bangor? So transportation, yeah, airways, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Interstate 95 runs right through the heart of it, which is the pathway to Boston, New York, or even the Maritimes, right? So the, mm-hmm. the highway may may not go to Canada, but you're only an hour plus away from, from or a few hours away from Quebec and Montreal. International mm-hmm. Airport is here, the Bangor International Airport. Full disclaimer as a client, proud so, but the ability to get here and, and go anywhere is remarkably simple. I'm sad to say that I have I have tickets for Nashville in September that I don't think we'll be using, yeah. right? but I can, we've got direct flights to Florida that I hope we are using in, in, in November, but the ability to go, I fly from here to Chicago, San Diego, Texas, Nashville, just in Savannah. Everything is, is very accessible with the airlines that run through here. So the ability for us to get away uh, is very easy. And the best part of it for me is when I land, I'm five minutes from home, right? Yeah. So you know, getting there is one thing, but when I, when I'm able to come back and stop a long trip at the end of a long trip and, and be just a few minutes from my doorstep, that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah. Absolutely. 
I want to change pace a little bit and get into kind of a serious topic that we have, you know, with our clients and probably anyone listening here. Um, as you get towards retirement, healthcare, you know, becomes a big point of interest. Can yeah. you take a little time and just talk about the healthcare infrastructure here in the Bangor area? Um, you know, how it works well. And then kind of on the flip side, if there's areas that, you know, maybe it's not so doesn't work so well and people may seek, you know, going into Portland or Boston for areas in that healthcare need. Sure. And and I'll preface this by saying I've been blessed and completely fortunate not to have to use much of what we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. So but the I, I think if you were to define an industry that is well served and probably served as well as any place I've ever been in our community, it's healthcare. Yeah. Uh, and both from a quantity and quality point of view. Bangor, uh, Maine is a large state geographically. It might only be 1.3 million people from a population point of view, but geographically it's a large state. Mm. And Bangor sits, you know, depending on your perspective, we're somewhere in the middle. And it serves at least half, if not close to two-thirds of a geographical area from a service center point of view for many of the things that, that you just brought up. The Northern Light Healthcare System, the former Eastern Maine Healthcare System, um, is based in Bangor uh, mm-hmm. and is far-reaching all, you know, uh, around the state. And the ability for that system to have soup to nuts, let's say, uh, is remarkable. Mm-hmm. You've also got uh, Penobscot Community Healthcare, uh, which has a wide footprint from a variety of full service, from dentistry to pediatrics to um, elderly care to whatever you need, right? And, mm-hmm. and so you've got uh, St. Joseph Healthcare, which is part of a covenant center. Um, they have another location uh, in Lewiston, but part of a national system. But on top of the official healthcare systems, the official hospitals, if you will, mm-hmm. there's a number, uh, a number of nonprofit, social service, healthcare organizations, specialists. Um, to your point of needing to leave, yeah. um, it'll always be true that somebody somewhere is going to be better at something. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, and so the, the fact that someone leaves doesn't mean that something's not available here or that it's poor or not desirable, but there's always going to be somewhere better to get something when it comes to healthcare. Cause that's mm-hmm. the nature of specialists. You've got folks that dedicate mm-hmm. their sure. lives to one organ or one piece of something and, and it'll always be there. And so back to your earlier question, I think that Abby asked about getting somewhere. Mm. We're blessed to have this fantastically robust piece of our economy, which is based in healthcare and affiliate resources that are just uh, an hour away by flight if need be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, we have a world-class, again, I'm going to tell you, I am, I have not been touched by this and I can't count my blessings enough, but we have a world-class cancer center right here in our backyard mm-hmm. uh, that is doing some remarkable research and breakthrough work and, and, and changing lives and, and improving lives in ways that just blows people away on a regular basis. But they also have affiliates and networks, again, because it can't all be in Bangor. The, all of the knowledge can't be here. Right. So you, you tap in and you connect to resources greater than yourselves and specialists greater than yourselves. And the affiliations that the healthcare systems have with partner organizations of, of international fame, um, again, is only, you know, an hour away if need be. Right. And and that does happen. There are specialists that you need to get to, but mm-hmm. my parents live here. My parents are both, both with us. My, my in-laws are still with us um, and they're in their mid seventies. Um, and with one ex- uh, exception, I think it was uh, a knee replacement and they've, you know, as you get older, you start looking and, and using the healthcare resources you've been talking about in different mm-hmm. ways. For sure. Um, and so 
they are well served here in our backyard and I can, the majority, the vast majority of their appointments outside of, I think, a, a specialist knee replacement that took place. And even that can be done here um, has happened in our backyard. So it's, it's a very rich healthcare environment mm. staffed by some really skilled and experienced professionals that are well served by specialists and organizations around it too. So it's a, it's a big piece of our economy. It's a big piece of our community. And it's, uh, it certainly puts us on the map in the state of Maine. And Carrie, just to come, Trust that really to other parts of the state, right? Is because if you are in maybe even a, a rural part of the state, you you might have healthcare access, but it might be just emergency healthcare access is what you have, right? So it, it, as you kind of made the point of, you know, we we service just this really big geographic area in the state because you know if you're in Millinocket, you know. Yes, you if you have if you broke your foot or something happened, got in a car accident, you could get uh, emergency treatment right there. But you know, for something bigger and or maybe maybe more involved, you're probably going to come to kind of Bangor as a as a service center for for healthcare as well, right? You will, and there's been some fantastic. I mean, I, I you don't get to look at these things every day, right? Because it's not in your warehouse. Right. Um, it's not in your need. Right. And, and you just don't take time out of your day to go poke your nose and things that aren't aren't um, aren't needed or or, mm. or part of your, your daily work. But when I do see um, you, you mentioned earlier, having served on the council and, and my time on the council, I've got to see and experience and tour and, and just you know interact with things that um, I, I normally wouldn't. <clears throat> and the technology component of healthcare these days is fabulous. It's, it's mind blowing. Telehealth. The ability of using high-speed internet, well beyond what pipes into our homes, right, to watch Netflix, the ability to use this pipeline to bring not just advice, but procedures to um, rural hospitals, rural needs uh, Mm. from hours away is remarkable. The things that are happening in our own backyard, the innovations, the technology, the investments, the, the wonders and miracles that are happening in our backyard would blow you away to think that this is a community of our size, which is relatively small in the national agenda. Mm. But pound for pound, I'd put it up against any community I could think of uh, from an ROI and quality of life point of view, especially when it comes to healthcare resources and assets. Nice. I want to ask uh, maybe about just choosing Bangor overall, right? And when we see people from all walks of life that maybe are leaving some area, and I'm not just saying within Maine, maybe they're coming from Chicago, or maybe they're coming from New York or Texas or whatever, and they choose Bangor. Why do they choose here? And then once they do choose here, do they stay and why? So I will tell you that the last, we, we're recording this from a timeline mm-hmm. point of view in, uh, in the midst of a, a global pandemic, right, with COVID-19. So my right. answer is going to be tainted a little bit, but I'll give a greater context. The ability for folks to see things here, safety, comfort, reliability, that kind of thing, has driven folks to evaluate a different quality of life. And, and, and certainly that's the answer I would give you today if mm-hmm. you're looking at the at current events. Backing up pre pre-March 2020, I would tell you that the conversations I've had with folks, the only thing I can I can relate it to is a sports analogy and recu- recruiting the quarterback. You know, a lot of decisions aren't made on facts, they're made on emotions and on the eye test. And a lot of folks, when they tour here, feel that comfortableness, they feel the camaraderie, they feel the sense of peace and welcoming. And then they see things like the neighborhoods, mm. things that you and I have seen every day of our life if you've grown up here. Um, are very unique in a lot of the eyes that are coming from different parts of the country. The, the old-fashioned neighborhood with a park and a stop sign is not a common thing as you travel from city to city. And, mm. and our city was 
was built, you know, in the in the 1800s on the backs of a global lumber enterprise. Some of the neighborhoods and houses that were built by the barons back in the day are still around, right? And, and certainly it's evolved through the years. But the character of the neighborhoods, the quality of schools, uh, I'll give you the brochure, right? So the character <laughs> of the neighborhoods, it, the yeah. quality of schools, we have award-winning schools, blue ribbon award-winning overperforming schools in our backyard. And uh, the more I spend time in areas of economic development, specifically talking with families, I can tell you schools are a very, very high percentage of checkboxes when it comes to establishing where you yeah. want to go, which is not right from a retirement point of view. That's not going to be high on the list. But from a family point of view, that certainly speaks of um, it speaks to the character of the community. I think what we're seeing is there's a lesson learned from the Florida retirement communities, the Arizona retirement communities, is they're looking at this and saying, hey, we we built a whole community just on people that are just like ourselves. And yeah, we don't need to invest in schools because we don't have a lot of kids here. But then you have to continue to replenish your community perpetually and aggressively. Otherwise, it just it dies away. Mm-hmm. So getting yeah. getting a community that has all aspects of, of life stages. And so I, I would even say, you know, back to that is, hey, I think those are very important because it, it, if you are attracting then those younger professionals, then, you know, you're going to do things that, you know, maybe are more services that maybe you don't want directly, but indirectly going to lead to more success for you in retirement. Well, it, that's well said. And, and to, if you think about the, the stages of life, not just the stages of retirement, the stages of life, those young families oftentimes come with working professionals that do contribute, volunteer, and give time to the resources um, that are enjoyed by both young and old. And so the donations that go to the theater and the symphony and the performing arts or the trails, right, the volunteers on the trails that, mm-hmm. that make the uh, the pathways through the, the bird watching trails happen oftentimes um, are of all ages and you see people not only working, but enjoying them on all ages. And it, it, your, your point again, it, there's multiple levels of truth to what you said, as we've done a number of economic development studies, both in the region and, and on organizations I've been a part of, it's safe to say, and it's backed up with data that the things that young families and young professionals look for in a community are exactly the same things that are valued by retirees or folks looking to retire. That yeah. The diversity, the quality of life, the access, the, the things that you would think of for a 25 or 45 year old also ring true with a 65 year old looking to explore a community. So mm-hmm. you're, you're right yeah. on. Um, so you were just talking about this a little bit. So we'll dive into it a little bit more, but the vibrant community aspect. So sure. a lot of retirees, like Ben was saying that we talked to are really looking for a diverse community of people to interact with, um, you know, to keep them young and active through their retirement stages. Um, So can you talk about some of um, our seniors going to find that in Bangor? Are they going to what kind of community can people look for when they're retiring in Bangor? Yeah, it's only about 98% Red Sox fans. here, So there's a small minority of the, there's, there's a good, there's room, there's room for Pirates fans. Uh, uh, those Yankees. Uh, right. No, God. no, no, no. Pir- pirates, we'll welcome Pirates okay. fans. Okay. We don't, we don't, as I tell my son, we don't swear in this house. Um, can you repeat the question? Because all I had was the Yankees and Red Sox going through my mind. As you were talking about it. I think you're talking about vibrancy, right? And exactly. Yeah. Doing? Yeah. So a vibrant community and kind of what can seniors look for a sense of community um, and how can they go about maybe building a community if they've just moved to the area and yeah, finding people like them. 
So um, finding people like them, again, that's, it always ends up being subjective. But the right. one thing that I have seen in our backyard is not only is there a wide variety of, like we talked about, recreation and healthcare, but nonprofit organizations um, are, are another lifeblood of our community. And they're not always just social service nonprofits. There's a number of nonprofit organizations in our backyard that range the gamut. Um, from biking to I'll keep going back to forest and trails to mm. kayaking to to arts and dance and clogging and all I mean if you can think of an activity there is probably a nonprofit and a social calendar that you can tap into in our backyard so and the ability for and this is someone else's words we we filmed um, we filmed a series a national series here back in the day with extreme extreme makeover home edition when that was still on television mm. and we had to bring together a, a number of different people from a number of, number of different areas with no compensation and ask them to do a lot for nothing. And, and the, I remember having a conversation with a producer and he says, you know, we've done this 104 times. This is 104th build, 104th show that we'll do. And I can't remember a community that works so easily together that seems like everybody was connected. And if they weren't connected, they were willing to introduce you to two or three people that were connected right off yeah. the bat. There was no entry fee. There was no proving yourself. There was no, friction right to entering the that welcoming community and he said you you don't understand how unique that is and i know that you don't see it because you're in it but the ability to be plugged in instantly mm -hmm. is a significant advantage to someone from away because they don't feel like they have to circle and wait for an entry point there's mm -hmm. always someone willing to pull them in and make them part of it and so i think that's probably the best answer i can give you mm -hmm. is you're not going to find a kiosk with every answer, right? But you are going to find someone that knows someone. And then before you know it, you're exactly where you want to be. And it's going to feel like you've been there for a decade. So. Yeah, that's great. And Carrie, we've had that uh, kind of with our, with obviously the podcast, right? Is we can go right to, which has been great is, hey, Carrie, write you an email and say, here's what I got going on. Can we talk about it? And you're like, yeah, let's, let's just talk about it. It's, <laughs> just, it's just this, you know, openness and, you know, the approachability that's happened here. And I, I think that's been kind of the great part about the, for me, why Maine is that you, you can do work here because you can approach people and say, here's an idea. Can we collaborate? Can we just come together on something? And it's just, yeah, let's partner, let's do it. And not like, well, that's my turf and that's yours. And yeah, so I think the sandbox, everybody plays for the most part pretty well in, which is which has mm -hmm. been pretty special. But only in the Bangor region, Ben. That's only in the Bangor region. <laughs> <That's the Bangor. laughs> Carrie, I want to ask a couple uh, financial related questions here. Cost of living and taxes are kind of a big, mm -hmm. a big couple bullet points there. Can you talk about how the cost of living in the Bangor area kind of compares to other areas in the state? And then similarly for you know, property tax? Yeah, so those are going to take two different avenues for me. Okay. Um, and so I'll take the easiest one first. Cost of living um, <laughs> is is something that is rates very high on the comparability scale. If you look across the board to our southern neighbors, and I'm deep south down in the Portland region, right? <laughs> um, you're probably anywhere from 15 to 20% on the plus side from a, from a cost of living point of view, if you take all expenses and consider outside of housing, mm -hmm. housing in, in the Portland market or in, you know, the bigger population market has exploded in our region. There are two, when it comes to housing and affordability, and, and I, I go right to housing because in most budgets, yeah. that's at least 60 mm -hmm. to 70% sure. of what you're, what you're dealing with. Right. Yeah. And so in our region, you've got a model that's seen, Across the country, which is, you know, relatively old center, which would be Bangor. I referenced, you know, the lumber years and, and whatnot. 
And then you've got one layer out if you're building a circle, like in a, in a concentric circle point of view. Then you've got the outlying communities, which, you know, call them suburbs, if you will. But it's funny when I use the word city and suburbs, right? When I talk to my friends that, <laughs> yeah, are, in, right? that are in bigger cities, they're like, <laughs> laughing at that. <laughs> right, right. That's right. all in context, right? But, you know, I remember when I was, when I was growing up, I told you I grew up in Bangor. Um, and we're surrounded by Hamden, Glenburn, Herman, Levant, Warno, mm-hmm. Brewer, Vesey, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, bed, <laughs> the bedroom community. When I was growing up, there was nothing from, a, from housing, you know, there was mostly woods, right? And mm-hmm. you could, uh, I, in fact, I remember taking snowmobiles through the woods and, and ending up at Dice Arts for, for ice cream in the middle of winter because there was nothing in your way. Yeah. You know, fast forward now two or three decades and you've got a significant increase in housing stocks in those communities. Um, you've got population growth in those communities that is steadily at 15% anyway, from a growth point of view. And the newness, right, the, mm-hmm. the age of the housing in those communities is significantly younger than the, the what you'll find in Bangor. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there isn't that in Bangor. It's just a different feel, right? So you've got sure. your, you've got limited opportunity inside the city proper for new construction, just because it's, it's pretty well maxed out. Mm-hmm. And then if you go beyond there, you've got significant developments, whether it be single houses on five acres or whether it be, um, I think VZ at the moment has a significant uh, neighborhood plan going in now with, you know, a few hundred, few hundred houses on the, on the planning spec. So from a cost of living point of view, it rates very well, the quality of housing stock from a uh, inside the city, you'll see a very different You've got to have the ability to understand character and history, right? It's not sure. that everything needs, there's no, it's not all fix them ups, but I'm saying, you know, it's nothing to find a house that was built in 1928, right. you know, being a desired neighborhood house where if you were to go, you know, literally two miles down the road, you know, the town didn't exist in 1928, right? So <laughs> things like that. Yeah. So taxes, I take on a very different point of view. I, I will say when I first started government, I would tell you, as background, I, I did serve uh, six years here in council and uh, one year as mayor. And I recognized that some of the financial challenges we were having in our city were not unlike what other municipalities were having around the state. So in 2012, when I was serving as mayor here in Bangor, I started a coalition. I got together with five or six other communities in our state, the larger ones, and got the mayors together. And we started what became known as the Mayor's Coalition hmm. to have that conversation, to, to talk about how can we collectively look at ways in which municipal dollars, which is just property taxes, right, mm-hmm. um, can be used and managed appropriately. I was of the mindset when I started that journey that any tax raise was a bad tax raise, any tax was a bad tax, and that we had to cut, cut, cut. I've come to understand um, the fiscal realities of what happens in the world. And, and so I share all that. That's a long intro to your question, and I get it, and I'm not stalling by any stretch. But I will tell you that I've also come to learn that there's a significant story that's not told sometimes when you look at the tax rate. So if you simply were to look at the tax rates of our surrounding communities and compare it to Bangor, you would probably see lower numbers if you're looking at a mill rate, right? The measurement of, of the valuation of our tax. Mm-hmm. But the minute you start to compare apples to apples, you find out that the number that you're looking at in Bangor is significantly undervalued when you compare it to the communities, right? So there might sure. be a there might be a four dollar difference in the mill rate between uh, Bangor and, and neighboring town XYZ, mm-hmm. but there's probably a 10x return on that mill rate in Bangor as opposed to the neighboring town. So it really depends on what you're looking for and what you need. Sure. Uh, for a city of 35,000, you have a fully stocked full-time 
four house fire department. You have two minute responsive police. You have remarkable schools. Um, if you look at the communities that rank high um, in schools, what they call the performance of over uh, the, the measurement of over overperformance. We are not supposed to be in the conversation uh, mm. because in our state, you know, there are pockets of towns here that have high per capita income, but the majority of that revenue is in Southern Maine on the coast. Um, so the, that measurement drives up and the economic drivers are supposed to say that the, the more affluent the community, the better the schools are going to be. And mm. there's always, whenever they show the grid, whenever they show the, the rankings and return on investment for schools, there's a cluster and there's always an outlier star and that outlying star is Bangor. It overperforms by any stretch in any metric, because if you look at, if you look at our average capita per capita income in the County, for instance, you know, we're well below uh, for, for a number of reasons, the ruralness of the County, as well as the service center mentality uh, of those Southern Maine communities. Mm -hmm. The flavor of Bangor is um, we have 10,000 um, housing structures in the city of Bangor. 5,000 of those are uh, multi-units and 5,000 of those are single family. So okay. if you look at it, you're, you're about 50-50 down the path, right, yeah. of multi-family versus, versus single family. And then as you get to those one neighborhood communities, it's 95%, probably, that's probably low mm. of single family, right? But the ability for the city to respond, it might only have 35,000 people, but it needs to respond to a community of 150 to 200,000 on any given day because the the job, the economic drivers are in our city. So even those that live in the outbound communities come in, right? Sure. So our city goes from 35,000 to 100,000 easily on any given weekday mm -hmm. um, by nine o'clock in the morning. And we have to have the infrastructure to serve three times our population. And, and when you start looking at things through that lens, the return on the tax rate, as you see, it really gets, uh, it, it's a good, it's a good return. Hmm. Gary, I want to, uh, so you, you've done a really great job just breaking down housing and housing stock. So I want to talk and maybe just kind of take the angle a little bit towards retirees and housing stock. So okay. when retirees are in their homes, so say they're already here, what have they done to address the aging in their homes? And then yeah. how could they improve that? So I'm going to pause because again, I, I um, there's a lot of avenues to go in that pipe. So mm. uh, so it, the, it might not be that I guess what I'm asking is in yep. it, it, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be aging in your home. And I, we hear that a lot from our clients is I want to stay in my home as long as possible because they go, I don't want to go into a nursing home. And th then, so I stay here as long as possible because if I go to a nursing home, I'm just going to die. Yep. So I want to do as much as I can to be independent in my home as long as possible. Yep. But what we find is it's not binary. Right, is it's not just I stay in my home or I go end of life nursing home and that's it. There's yeah. more than that, and yep. th that's what I want to ask you about in terms of like not just it being in my house, but what housing opportunities are there for retirees here? Yeah, so I'll answer that a couple different ways. So there are there's a wide variety of housing style options, right? There's going to be that traditional three bedroom, four bedroom for the family in the neighborhood, but there's also a lot of, to your point, and it's probably been the last decade where I've seen more new construction growth in this area, but it's single level Cape kind mm -hmm. of bound where everyone's on the same floor, right? So that has really become kind of a, probably a predominant, if I look at any new housing stock built in the area or in Bangor in particular, it's been probably along that lines of, of offering single floor convenience for that particular reason, that exact reason. We've also spent some time, you know, the, the last house we, we moved about five years ago within the city and the house that I had, if you're my, if you're my father-in-law who lived in Nyack, New York, um, I was Stephen King's neighbor um, as I lived on West Broadway. If you are 
in Bangor, you know that uh, I was nowhere near Stephen King, right? But <laughs> it's, it's it's nice to say that when you're drinking with uh, friends at Starbucks. But there are there's a number of challenges to old housing stock from a reality point of view. Uh, because the building codes of 1930, 1940, 1950 are not the building codes of today. There aren't mm. a lot of two-acre parcels, right, with a swimming pool in the middle of the city. It just doesn't work that way. And so when you have the character of the neighborhoods, I mentioned the parks earlier on, there are a number of neighborhoods in our city where you you see that um, house on the sidewalk kind of feel with a backyard and they're relatively close to each other. And that's because they all face a park or they have a park nearby. So the recreational space for the neighborhood wasn't your backyard or your front yard. It was the collective park with the swing set and the, you know, the parks and um, equipment and baseball fields and that kind of stuff. So there's a number of neighborhoods that look and feel like that. And what we spent time doing on my time on the council was trying to comb through the restrictions that would keep old housing stock or, or historic even houses uh, from not being able to be redeveloped. And so there's a lot of conversation and and work in the city ordinances that's taken place specifically over the last decade that's allowing modifications to housing Mm. for that exact purpose from a realistic point of view to allow folks to live more comfortably for a longer period of time and perhaps a house that wasn't uh, designed to be modified that way, right? Um, And so the ability for someone to see potential in modifying bathrooms or entryways, um, the city has has tried their best to create opportunities for that ordinance to happen. Mm -hmm. The second thing I'll share with you um, is we just passed this. I left the council last November, so it's almost a year, three quarters of a year now. But the last last thing we did was introduce a concept of trying to make it easier for folks to convert or build on in law apartments into homes that were uh, traditionally deemed um, single family, right? So Mm -hmm. We now have the availability um, and clearance to allow modifications or additions um, in our neighborhoods that, that weren't there just two or three years ago huh. that would allow folks to bring um, aging parents and uh, either modify a garage or add on an in-law apartment to that extent uh, and fit within building codes and ordinances. So I think those are two very specific things that probably fall into interest in the, in the audience that you're talking about that would allow folks to not have that linear, I'm going to be in this home or I'm going to be in a, in a nursing home and have there be some transitional time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to totally shift gears here. So the weather, right? So Maine is notorious. <laughs> so um, Maine is notorious for having four very distinct seasons. Um, and maybe that's something that retirees are looking into, right? So, and the big one, the big question mark is winter, right? So how long, in your opinion, is Bangor's winter? How bad does the winter get? And, um, you know, what can people do to stay active in the winter, particularly retirees? So the four seasons that I wrote them down was pre-winter, winter, mud, <laughs> 4th of July, right? That's Pretty much it, yep. yep. My, my brother-in-law has a saying that says, I hope summer's on a weekend this year. You know? um, but it's, it's, so I told you, you asked me earlier on, why do I stay here? And I, the humidity is something I can't handle. So I, I have family in Atlanta. I, I spent time in Charleston last year in July for God knows whatever reason down in South Carolina. And it's just not fun for me to walk from one curb to the next and have to change my shirt. It doesn't work well for me. It's not a good look. Um, so what I tell folks when they ask that exact question, in fact, I have an employee that's been with us for about a year and two months and he came to us from the Bahamas. Uh, and so this spring we went to lunch when he first started here and we went to lunch and it was that day, Ben, you probably know 
that that first spring day where it's 55 degrees, mm -hmm. right? And you roll the windows down and open up whatever <laughs> event you have as you're driving down the street because yes. you're in short sleeves, right? And it's, and so I was doing that, and the <laughs> Serato is his name. And he was like, he looked at me like, what are you doing? Like, two layers of sweatshirts on and he's got, we turn the heat on and all that. I'm like, this is, you know, this is it. The weather is what you make it. And so one of the things we talked about, and, and you can't hide it, right? You, you can't, you can't fake somebody and say, hey, there's no winter here. It's not the winter. They're going to, because they're going to find out eventually. Right. But the, the, uh, we tried that once the ability for, <laughs> for you to make the best of it. Our winter is a lot like summer in the Southern climates where the AC is on everywhere and you go from AC climate to AC climate, you get out of it as quick as you can, right? In winter, if you don't like the cold, you're basically going from one heated environment to a next. We, you don't build homes here with with AC. You build homes here with heat, and that's just mm -hmm. the reverse from these other climates, right? But the diversity of the offerings that we've had also lend themselves to some special characteristics. So our golf course and some of those recreation trails turns into cross country skiing. Uh, there's there's sledding hills that magically appear. You're you're only, um, you know, you're, you're 45 minutes from a from a pretty nice little family hill for skiing. You an hour and a half to Sugarloaf. Right. You know, if you if you turn your lakeside access from you know bass fishing and trout fishing into ice fishing, you've got the you know, you've got the, all that there. And so there's positives, but there's certainly a winter for sure. Um, and how long it lasts is in someone else's hands, but mine. <laughs> but the ability, right? The the ability to make the best of it comes with that territory of good old fashioned Yankee survivalism and that same camaraderie, the camaraderie and the, and the sense of community and togetherness is just as viable in the winter as it is, you know, in, in warmer weather as well. So it's, it's certainly four seasons, Christmas in Maine, nothing like it. There's certainly, there's certainly uh, variations in the weather and that's part of the charm. I think it's part of, of what I'd miss if I did move away. Hmm. So our last question for you, Carrie, um, we're switching out of Bangor and we're going to go back to put the spotlight on you. Okay. So as you join us here today on the Retirement Success in Maine podcast, um, we'd like to la ask all of our guests sort of how they envision their own retirement. So what will be a successful retirement for you looking ahead? Well, making it there for one, right? Let's go there. <laughs> there you go. Um, so uh, it's funny you asked me that question. I, it was our anniversary a couple of weeks ago, and we finally went out to an in-person dinner mm. uh, for the first time in three or four months, right? And you know, sitting about nine feet away from me at the next available table was <laughs> was a was a guy um, that had retired last year and was active in the community, and I and I got to know him. His name is Dennis, and and he was having dinner with his wife and. And uh, I asked him, you know, how's retirement? Because I know he hasn't slowed down. He's one of those guys that just will be busy all the time. Oh, yeah. And I said, are you busier now than you were? It seems. And he says, I am. He says, but. And I said, were you happy that you did it? Did you make the right decision in retiring? And he paused for a second. And he says, you know what's changed? He says, I'm equally as active. And I'm having a lot of fun. But I've always had fun. I've always been active. But now I get to choose when to do it mm. and if to do it. And he says, as long as I have the ability to do something that I'm interested in or not do something that I'm interested in. And either one of those choices is okay. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to think I made the right decision. And I think I'll steal Dennis. I'll just paraphrase Dennis's definition. I think the ability to put your time and efforts into something that makes you happy or that matters to you or not. Sure. And that is the definition for me is being satisfied with whatever decision you have, because the decision is solely yours it's not dependent on a time clock. It's not mm -hmm. dependent on someone else's liability of what you do or what you don't do. And being able to self-pace, self-enjoy, and invest at your own free will, however you define that, I think is a definition that I'll choose to use for a successful retirement. 
That's great. I love I love that, Carrie. And because mm-hmm. I, I would also say too is you know just listening to our conversation over last um, you know the, uh, during this episode, you're living that anyway, right? Is that, that's kind of your values and who you are as it is. So just being more of yourself is awesome. So you've been such a great ambassador for Bangor. So thank you for yeah. for coming on our show today. It was a lot of fun. No, I appreciate that very much, and uh, I'm 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 glad to see that you guys are are promoting our region. I know you've got clients uh, throughout New England and, and probably beyond that as well. Certainly got a solid reputation and it's nice to have a spotlight and an opportunity to kind of talk about the realities and the things that make our area special. So thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Well, Carrie, appreciate coming on and uh, I'm sure we'll catch you next time. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks. So I kind of joke uh, in a way that, you know, it's nice having Kerry Weston on as the ambassador to Bangor here, <laughs> but he really is, right? I think yeah. from a uh, city council, he was a mayor. He's really active in the nonprofit side. As he, he talked about, he, they actually donate a lot of their kind of videography services to the Chamber Awards Dinner, which is a, as anybody that's been here, mm-hmm. they know that's a really big deal in the business community is yeah. that. And they've just done a phenomenal job. So I, I was I was just really pleased that he he kind of donated uh, his time to us today to to really talk and maybe not necessarily sell. I just wanted to have the conversation. As, sure. So it was, it was really good that he did that. We always kind of wrap up our show, as, as we all know, uh, kind of highlighting some lessons that we took away from, from today. Uh, I'm actually going to have Abby start uh, because she's the non-Bangor person. So <laughs> she's got uh, – uh, hopefully she, she's got some kind of really valuable lessons of why Bangor is, is kind of a nice, uh, nice advantages here. So Abby, what did you learn today? Yeah, absolutely. So what I found so interesting um, that Carrie was talking about is a lot of – your neighborhoods in Bangor are apparently set up with a park in the middle of them to create community, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have that in Portland. And I find it very interesting and cool that the city planners, you know, way back planned out the city that way to have a community feel to it, which carry echoed through all different types of community in Bangor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really special thing about Bangor and, you know, very unique. So I was, I didn't even know that. And I spend a lot of time in Bangor, even <laughs> not being from Bangor. <laughs> but now you're going to drive through, right? And you're going to exactly. go, there's the park, there's the yeah. park, there's yeah. the park. And, and exactly. all the houses are going to face, right? Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. think that's very cool. Very neat. Curtis, what did you take away from? Because you are an actual Bangor resident. In, <laughs> yeah, we're actually broadcasting right now from uh, from Bangor. Exactly, itself. born, raised, and never leaving. Um, <laughs> so, uh, one piece that really stuck out to me um, was when we asked Carrie about the, the taxes, and he he talked about the mill rate and his his time serving on city council and being mayor. And I think it's easy for someone to look at the taxes for Bangor specifically compared to uh, the surrounding towns and communities and think that it's high. And cause I think you'll see that it is higher compared to the neighboring towns, but you know, and he talked about himself, how we had to look at it at a different lens and that kind of forced me to, as he was talking about it, to think about, you know, how much there is in Bangor. He referenced the, you know, the robust fire department, the police department that has such quick and amazing response times and then, you know, the schools, he talked about how great our schools are. Um, I say our, go Rams. Um, <laughs> um, and then even another piece on top of that, he talked about how much, you know, being a population center 
you know, these, this city is built to support three times its, its normal pop living population. Um, and I never thought about that because, you know, he said any given day at 9am, the population's tripled. So I, that was a really cool piece. Um, again, as someone who lives in Bangor and pays property taxes in Bangor, it was nice to kind of hear that other angle of it. Um, so I, I really appreciated that. Nice. And I, and I think from my end is, you know, I, I think what's what's really important we wanted to highlight is uh, kind of why Bangor is, you know, it, I think when people kind of think about all the areas of the state, right, is you could go coastal, right? What if I live right on the coast? Wouldn't that be beautiful to be staring at the ocean and, and getting access to that, right? And mm-hmm. Or what if I was in Portland where you have a little bit more kind of of an urban center in the in the state? And I know Portland it really isn't, grand scheme of things, that big of a city either. Mm-hmm. Right. But you you don't you and you go Aroostook County with you know farms and Western Maine with a little more mountains, you know you have all these very kind of different populations and different geographies. But what's been pretty cool about Bangor is it truly is the geographic center of the state, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Is you it's you know now we're maybe twenty to Bar Harbor, right? Mm-hmm. Which is I know that's a gateway there. You know it is like an hour to, to really most coastal areas. You know Ellsworth, for example, but also yeah. going to Canada is a couple hours away, as he said. Go if you want to go to Quebec, yeah. go to Quebec City or uh, Saint John, New Brunswick, or places like that. That that's a really easy skip and a jump, mm-hmm. you know, going to go skiing. Well, again, an hour to two hours away, um, some really great skiing going on. If you want to go to Portland, when I want to access those things, mm-hmm. yeah. a couple hours away. So I, I think that that's going to, as long as you're okay being in the car for that long, you know, that hour to two hours, yeah. you know, it's a pretty easy day trip to kind of do anything you want to do. And it's very diverse. Mm-hmm. So I think that was for me has been the personal draw is that I can go do anything I want. And it just feels like, I could be in Canada and Quebec City in, you know, less than half of a day. And it's like, it feels like Europe, right? And it just feels like something completely different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, again, I I know when people ask, well, why Bangor? And they go, weather, you know, winter (laughs) must be 11 months and 28 days. And then you get two days of summer, right? right. Which is, you know, maybe partially true, (laughs) but you know, I think with that, there's, there's just, I, I think there's a lot of, but about the people, the values, the geography and all that's happening here. So again, I, I, I think with what we want to do here is maybe take some time highlighting other areas of the state too, and just kind of put that, put that shine on each one of them and yeah. each one of them have their advantages. And, and maybe that kind of helps narrow the, the decision-making down for retirees. So want to thank everybody for, for listening in to today's show. We are at episode 24. 24. So if you want to check out more resources, we'll actually post, um, as Carrie's giving the story about the Dice Arts commercial, we'll have that there. Yeah. Uh, we'll have the, um, the, the Bangor Anthem, uh, which <laughs> is phenomenal. If you've not seen it, it was even on the Today Show. I don't, he didn't mention that part. But we'll have the YouTube link there, plus a little bit more of the resources for the city of Bangor, because I think those are all really valuable to check out. So you can go to blog guidancepointllc.com backslash 24 or 24 24 find that there again you can find us we'll have these clips up on youtube as well Um, check that out search for retirement success in maine Uh, hit a subscribe button and you can uh, follow us there Mm -hmm. and of course all the podcast channels which we hope you're listening to as well but thanks for tuning in today guys and we'll talk to you next time Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. 
While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors' mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.